Hello, ladies. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Did you have a good lunch? You're probably, some of you are eating right now. That's fabulous. I love it. Has today not been incredible? Wow. John Gray, I laughed so hard at him. He is hilarious, isn't he? But he just says such great stuff, too, and he just keeps us rolling. I love him. Loved the panel. Loved Carl. We could just go home, but God has more, right? So let's just open our hearts today and just receive a little more because you have got this amazing group of women, and I'm just standing right in front of them, um, that's going to share with you, and it's just going to be life-changing. I believe that. You know what I love about the ARC family and especially the women's side of things is that there is so much diversity, and not just with the color of our skin, but in what we do. And you know, some are speakers, some are singers, some are stay-at-home moms. There's a variety, and they're all great. Amen? Because I think so many times we look at these women and we think we're not enough. I know I've sat in your seat and I've looked up at people like that and I thought I could never be that. And so I'm not enough. But can I encourage you? You are more than enough today. You are more than enough. Um, I know that yesterday in our women's uh, app, we talked about a newsletter that you could sign up for. I think we have a revised slide that they're going to show. Is that correct? Hopefully. Because I think we had it wrong. Are y'all showing that? Maybe. Do y'all have it? Woo! There we go. Please, if you haven't signed up, we have a new ARC Women newsletter, and we've only sent out two so far. We're doing them about four times a year, and it's just lots of fun. Lots of girl stuff, articles, blogs, devotions that'll help you, and then just like currently loving fun things. So please take your phone out right now and sign up, and it's going to be awesome. So today, you are in for a treat. We have got two of our just best girl leaders, I think, in ARC, and that is Carolyn Haas and Sarah Keller. Give it up for them. They are just dynamic leaders. And I love this app because, you know, so many of you girls aren't pastor's wives. You are girls on staff. You're doing just so many things at church, and you might not have the hat of a pastor's wife, and that's okay. So we want to make sure we encourage you as just a woman in ministry and leadership, right? So today, that's what this is all about, and it's going to be so fabulous. So why don't we give them a great big hand clap as they get started? And I'm supposed to give them a love Thank you, Dylan. We love you. My name is Carolyn Haas, and my husband, Peter, and I, we pastor Substance Church. Uh, we are 13 and a half years old as a church, and we were actually ARC church plant number 15. So it's such an honor to be here, and I'm so excited. My favorite topic is women in leadership. And so my husband and I were youth pastors in rural Wisconsin. We were senior pastors in rural Wisconsin, and then we resigned and became um, planted Substance Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Twin Cities. Sorry, Ooh. it's like exciting. So anyway, so I've got three kids, been married 22 years. So Sarah, tell us about yourself and then tell us Sarah about the Sarah Keller, Fort do. Myers, Florida. And uh, Matt and I, we planted 16 years ago. And I've got uh, two teen teenage boys. And I have been sitting in your seat. As a matter of fact, uh, Carrie Weems was someone who set me free in 2004 in a breakout session just like this. Um, I was sitting there and just struggling. Am I, is it okay if I feel this leadership thing, or should I just be an at-home mom? Like, does that mean I'm a horrible mom? And uh, 2004 was my moment in time where uh, uh, Carrie just said one sentence, and it just set me free. And so we've been where you are, and I love leading. And we are just really excited, really, to dive in today. Our heart for you as women in leadership is that you would uh, be exactly who God has called you to be, and no one else, and that you could really just grow and learn from each other. I know that there are some of you probably sitting there and like you just got that burning question like I did back in 2004. And even if we don't address it today, um, our hope is that you'll look at someone else and say, can I ask you that question? And just even minister to each other maybe after this breakout session is done. So before we do this, I want to just pray because this morning has been unbelievable. Yeah. And the presence of God, I've cried in every session and yeah. it's just been so strong. And I was like, I don't want to walk into this women's session and be all fluffy and frou-frou. And, and I got to stand, so I'm sorry. I just got to stand and pray. But um, I want us to hear from God. Yeah. And I don't ever want to waste a moment. I don't want to just go through the motions of a session. Yeah. I want to hear from God. And you know what? I, I, we know what it's like to be in these seats and yeah. have questions and not know who to ask. And it's your burning question and it's right here and it's defining and you just don't even know 
how to, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask that the Holy Spirit, he mm-hmm. sees you, he knows you, he knows your context, he knows your story, he knows your question, yep. and we want him to speak. And yep. these guys have brilliant wisdom, it's gonna be amazing, but let's just invite the Holy Spirit into this. Yes. So God, we thank you for speaking already. We thank you for your presence that you're here with us. And you see every person here, you love them. You care so deeply. You know their story. You know their circumstance. You know their questions. You know the situations they're navigating. You know the emotions that they have right now. I just speak life. Let there be life. Would you speak? Would you connect us to each other today? We just thank you that there is no competition. There's no comparison. But we are trusting God to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, before we get started, I would love for all of these ladies to introduce themselves. So Stacy, we'll start with you. Okay, Stacy Hennigan. Um, I am from Northwest Arkansas. My husband and I planted a church, Key Point Church, 12 years ago. I think I, that we were the 17th church plant. And if not, I'm sticking to that. So it's, <laughs> we're somewhere around in there. And so it's, uh, we love it. We love the ark. We love all the relationships. Um, I have um, three kids, 19, 17, and 12, and it is just a fun season. And I just want to say that n- I'm not an expert. I don't think anyone up here is an expert, and I'm humbled to be here, and I am here to learn as much as you are. Amen. Oh, that's the one that's popping. I had the trouble, Mike. My name's Lisa Surratt, and I'm from Seacoast Church in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Um, Some of you may know uh, my pastor and father-in-law is Greg Surratt, um, founder of ARC, and and my husband Josh and I have um, inherited the church. Um, We are uh, incredibly blessed to have the honor and privilege to step into some very big shoes Um, and uh, it has been about four years since we started the transition, Um, and I serve on our staff as director of staff culture, wear many hats, Um, but we have three children, uh, 10, eight, and four, Um, and it has been a fun journey. And you you went to medical school, right? So my background is um, I went to PA school and uh, served in the emergency room for about six and a half years or so. And so um, I have a lot of experience working outside of the home. I mean, I'm sorry, outside of the home and outside of the church, um, as well as working in the church. And um, God, has, God has given me a lot of 90 degree turns. Um, just when I think I've got a grip on <laughs> what I'm doing and, yeah. you know, did medical missions all over the world and I'm crazy passionate about that. Um, I had a, a random encounter too long for, for right now, but um, ended up being called to step into a nonprofit and lead and build the East Coast office for the A21 campaign, working for Christine Kane, uh, fighting human trafficking. And so, um, so that was a, a 90 degree turn <laughs> two. Um, and, um, and then um, I, I thought for sure I would be doing that for the rest of my life because it is just my heartbeat. Um, and, and then um, I had my third baby and as clear as I've ever heard the Lord, um, we started a transition with Josh um, as lead pastor and um, it was almost, an, I mean, I've never heard the Lord more clearly that it was um, time to pass the baton of A21 to the next leader who was fully ready um, and step in, and we were supposed to do this together. And so it has been such an honor and a privilege to, to step in and um, be beside my husband, so. Tammy? Hi, I'm Tammy Floyd, and um, yay, I brought some friends. Um, my husband Daniel and I planted LifePoint Church 13 years ago in Fredericksburg, Virginia, so we're about an hour south of Washington, D.C., And um, when we started, we did not have a tribe or a family. We just asked a lot of questions and sought a lot of advice. And about four years ago, we got connected with this ARC family and I just kind of feel like we were adopted in. And uh, we're so grateful for that. But um, I have three children. My son, Owen, is 11. Faith is eight, going on 16. And um, then we have a baby girl, Abigail. She's 18 months. And um, she was not an oops, she was planned. 
and mainly because I love babies and my kids were getting older and it goes so fast. So we kind of started over and she's been the greatest gift to our family. She's so much fun and like I actually want to get on the floor and play with her because um, the others, it just goes so fast. So if you're a young mommy out here, like just really relish these moments because um, it goes so quickly. But um, when we first started the church, I was kind of one of the lead worship leaders and then um, kind of like Lisa was saying, the Lord a few years ago really made it clear to me that it was time for me to stop leading from the stage and to lead from my seat. So I um, co-lead with my husband and um, I just, I love it. I was actually a public music school teacher for six years um, prior to um, becoming a mommy and a pastor's wife. And uh, so I've, I've led in a classroom and I gotta be honest, I don't really miss it. I don't know if that sounds <laughs> terrible, but it's not the subject as much as it is like keeping kids in control. But um, so I'm just, I'm really honored to be here. And I just have to say two years ago, I didn't know any of these ladies and um, I'm friends with them now because of this place. So um, get connected. It's really important. It'll make a huge difference in your life. That's awesome. Irene. Love you, ladies. So like you said, honored to be here. Honored, honored, beyond honored to be here. Oh, hey. <laughs> East Coast in the house. Um, my name's Irene Rollins, and I co-lead I-5 Church, which is uh, in the Baltimore area. We're uh, literally right by BWI Airport. Um, and uh, with my husband, Jimmy Rollins. We've been married 18 years. It'll be 19 years this June. I have a daughter named Kayla, 17. I have a 15-year-old boy, Jaden, and a 12-year-old girl, Maya. And I have a bulldog, Diesel, who I believe is the whole family is called. He is called as well to ministry. <laughs> and I'll tell you more about that later, but he really is. He gets affected by us being gone all the time. <laughs> That's real, real, real story. So um, I, right now, I... Some of you heard in one of the main sessions that helped start I-5 Elite, our track club, which I'm so proud of, um, but now rate, have rate, since raised up other leaders and passed that baton on, and I'm more, um, I'm more helping fund it, fund that ministry. Uh, Jimmy and I met in the secular. We were both technical recruiters, so my background is more human resources recruiting, uh, more of the business side. So that is the gift that I use at I-5. I'm in human resources. I'm in the business administration. I help run some of our integrated auxiliaries, um, it's buying and selling of land, things of that nature. So it's fun. Um, but the more, uh, this year, 2018, uh, God has an assignment, specific assignment on my life to share my story. And um, so I'm really uh, build, working on my public speaking, and uh, just saying yes <laughs> to uh <-huh>. God, <laughs> as scary as it is, and uh, being obedient and learning from these amazing women that I am so honored that I get to know. Amazing leaders. Wow. That's awesome. Well, ladies, we're going to dive in because with as many people as we're like, woohooing, you know they've got tons of wisdom, right? So we're going to just jump in. And what I would love to really just start with is this idea of balance which I think we could all actually say is a myth. I've heard so many people almost like idealize it, like I'm just really working on getting to a place of balance. Um, but I know that all of us know that actually wholeness and joy are possible, even in the midst of craziness. So um, what helps you all create margin um, versus even balance? Let's just talk about that idea, Stacy. I would love to start with you. Oh, I love this question because I think every single person, whether ministry or not, you're on a quest for balance. You're on a quest to find that answer, and it's illusion. I mean, I, I, I think of things maybe more in terms of rhythm, yeah. um, but for me, the practical side of keeping margin in my life would hands down be this. It would be being in control of my schedule versus my schedule being in control of me. And what I mean by that is controlling my own life instead of other people controlling it for me. Create the life that you want to live. For instance, if you're not uh, fueled by tons of meetings and fueled by maybe even public speaking, whatever, um, do things that fuel you. Obviously, we all have obligations in our positions that we have to fulfill, but let those things that kind of stretch you, not necessarily stretch you, drain you, that would be the word I'd say, drain you, be the exception and not the rule. Uh, recently, someone asked me to do something and I committed to it and I knew 
Why am I committing to this? And as soon as I said yes, I couldn't take it back because I would throw all kinds of things off for her. And so I said yes to it. And from the moment I said yes, stress hit me. And I just was frustrated with myself because I had to reorganize my schedule. I had to, uh, it was just a mess internally, mentally for me to have committed to her. And I, I remember thinking, why did I do this? I knew I shouldn't. What is the motivation behind it? And when it got down to it, my motivation was a fear of not pleasing her. Yeah. I felt obligated to please her. And I started thinking to myself, when as women in this country, and I'm sure it's like that in other countries as well, when are we not gonna feel an obligation to say yes to everything and to please people? And truly the only person we need to say yes to is what God has asked us to do. Yeah. That's it. And so I have unapologetically become very guarded of my schedule. If I know I'm gonna have a busy week ahead, I have no problem postponing meetings, mm -hmm. none at all. And I don't give any reason why I just can't meet with you because my role, I have to do this for the long haul. And you know this as well as anybody else, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody <laughs> happy. And why would it be any different in the spiritual family? Yeah. If mama's of the house, and I'm not talking about just lead pastors, I'm talking about people that work in the church, volunteer in the church. Yeah. If you're not happy, then how do we think that your house is gonna be any happier? Yeah. We have to be emotionally healthy on the inside mm -hmm. and, and physically healthy. Go to the gym, ladies, if you like that. Walk, take time for yourself and guard your schedule unapologetically really and it good. will keep you with margin in your life. Oh, that's really good. Tammy, what about you? What's that like for you? Yeah, I'd say along those same lines is just like you, like you have to be a planner. You just have to be. Like a lot of times when you step into ministry or when you step into leadership, like you have to sacrifice. So for some of you, planning may be a sacrifice because you like to be spontaneous and you like to kind of go with the flow and all of that. But if you're called to leadership, you don't have that luxury. So you have got to plan out um, your schedule, like Stacy said, and be intentional about it. Um, I, we try very hard at least two or three times a year, my husband and I, to go away just the two of us. Now that's not gonna happen if we don't in January put it on the calendar about the time we're gonna get away. So I actually, planning is not a sacrifice for me because it's like a love language. Come do like, mine, please, I love because I absolutely hate I've it. I've got my hard open calendar and all, I mean, it is out you know, to plan, but I've got a friend who is extremely <laughs> spontaneous and I feel like her leadership ability is squelched because she's not willing to be a planner. Wow. So if you're one of those people that like to be spontaneous, plan the trip and be spontaneous on the trip. So you don't have to like not have both and. You can have both and. And um, also like if you know something is coming up, a big season in your ministry, whether it's an event or a big service, Easter, Christmas, whatever, like you know that's coming. Mm -hmm. So plan something at the end of that to look forward to with yeah. your family or your friends or those you're closest with. So I would just... I can't say enough about the planning piece because it's so true. If you don't plan your life, your life will plan you. That's so good. Do you want to say, go ahead. I just yeah. wanted to add mm -hmm. too, I love that because I am not naturally a planner. <laughs> I, I literally am like, oh no, I don't want to commit to that. I mean, I can't, but um, my best buddy and um, sister-in-law, Jenna, is a planner to the nth degree and she has just rubbed off some major wisdom for me. And <laughs> suddenly I was like, a laundry day? You have a laundry day? <laughs> I mean, it, I'm telling you, it has changed my life uh. because I do the laundry on Monday and then I don't look at it for six days, ladies. Woo! Come on. <laughs> so it is incredible. And so, um, you know, and the other thing that, that I have learned as well is just um, the three Ds. And this is really, really sweet is um, with your husband, with your family, dialogue daily, date weekly. I mean, yeah. you got to do it. You got to yeah. plan it Come on. and depart quarterly, get away. Yeah. I mean, if it, even if it's overnight, um, just, just, you have to be intentional. If you are going to run this race, yep. Yep. um, and it is a marathon ladies, it is not a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you are going to have to be intentional. Say those three D's again. Yeah. So dialogue daily, date weekly yeah. and depart quarterly. 
I love that. You know, one of the things I have always said is when, when your margin is off and you're, you're freaking out, I always tell our staff and our leaders, freakouts are good. So a freakout is when you literally have a meltdown and you're like, life's not working. I, can't, I hate people. I hate life. I mean, am I the only one that, at least Peter and I have those freakouts quite often. And so, you know, I, instead of feeling shame or like what's wrong with me that I'm having a freakout that life isn't working, instead learn from it and go, okay, what did I do wrong? What's not working? What's missing? What's confusing? You know, how can I, Oh, so after I preach, I need to have a day to crash. Otherwise, I'm a zombie. You know, when I preach, I have to have other people bring me meals because my kids eat like crap whenever I preach. You know what I mean? So it's like you got to know, have the freak out, but then learn from the freak out and don't repeat it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So don't feel shame and embarrassment for your freak outs. Those are good because they actually show you your limits. God gave us limits for a reason. So I'm one of those, I need nine hours of sleep. I don't get it every day, but I make sure I get it once a week. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's get super practical. Um, Lisa, tell me, when it comes to, because we're talking about margin and schedule, how do you say, learn, what do you say yes to, what do you say no to, who gets your time? With the time you have, who gets it? Well, I actually have been just listening to all these podcasts, and Craig Rochelle does a great one called It's About Time, Mm -hmm. and he's just talking about time management. It is not a strength for me, and so I have to be intentional to work at it. And one of the things that stuck with me that um, I, I continually... Um, use when I I use it as a filter um, for that exact question. And that is, um, don't let the urgent always overcrowd and push out the important. Yeah. Because there are things that God has called you specifically to do. There are things that only you can do. And so he has wired you specifically on purpose. Yes. You don't have to be someone else to sit in your seat. If he's called you to that seat, he wired you on purpose for that seat. And so knowing, taking the time to prioritize to you what is important. If family's important, which I would imagine that we're all, you know, most of us are moms here, so family's important. If you've got to schedule it, schedule it. Make it a priority. Um, and, And literally put all of those things that are so important to you on your schedule and then decide what you have time for. I love it. Tammy, how about you? Yeah, I would say what gets my time is what, it has to be investment. So, and some people may say, well, that's selfish, but no, because the time that I give, our time is precious. Like, it's kind of why I started over having another baby, because it goes so quickly, and before you know it, it's gone. So, for me, I think what I choose to do is does it um, invest in others or myself? So three things. If I'm gonna choose to spend time with someone, this is someone that I see potential in yeah. as far as maybe another leader or a coach or um, just someone I see that God has specifically put in my life to invest in. So someone I see potential in or someone that's caught my attention mm. that I want to kind of begin to pour into myself and then someone possibly who I wanna learn from. That's awesome. So the time that I give all centers around investment. And also, is it beneficial to, for us, for our ministry, or for our family? And if it's not, then most likely, it's not gonna get my time. Yeah. Now, there are definitely times that we need to have fun and, and all of that, but like, just your time is so precious and it's so quick yeah. that if you're not intentional with it, it'll be gone before you yeah. know it. That's so good. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I want to switch gears and really talk about raising kids as a woman in leadership. Uh, I was actually um, a pastor's kid. And so a part of me actually not wanting to accept the call to ministry for a while was like, I don't want to screw my kids up. Anybody had that moment? Because, you know, I had, you know, I kind of, I, I actually say growing up, I learned a lot about what I didn't want to be in ministry. So just had to really figure out yeah. how, uh, how we were going to do this differently. Yeah. And so we just, Matt and I just decided to be on a quest to figure out how to do it differently. But um, Irene, I would love to hear, you know, what you've done with your kids so that, so that they don't grow up despising or hating the ministry. How have you strategically figured out how to raise kids while you're in leadership? Well, first of all, ARC helped me with that. And so um, I had, from the beginning when I met my husband, I had made the decision, I am not going to have those pastor's days. First of all, I grew up Catholic. I had no idea what this whole PK thing was. I was like, what does that stand for? Um, what is that all about? And, um, but when I heard the, all the stuff about it, I was like, oh no, that's not going to be my kids. 
So I was on a mission to find out how to make that not happen, okay? I wasn't off to a good start, because in the beginning, they were with me. It was like, I had three babies under five, and they were in the pew with me all the time. Sunday, three, four services, you know what I mean? Then we had uh, Wednesday night revival, Thursday night Bible study, Friday night this. You know, we were at the church all the time, not off to a good start. Um, But what ended up happening when we met our ARC family, I'll never forget Rob Ketterling had a session at an ARC conference where he began to share about the tools and the filters and the things he has, standards for his family, non-negotiables. And here's some key things that we do in our family. Some non-negotiables for our family are, um, we take certain Sundays off to just be together as a family. And it depended on the life cycle of your church, like where you're at or whatever, but we planned for it. We planned to take off and have fun on a Sunday. Um, We include our children in serving. So whether it's outreach, they did not want to be in track and field. Y'all, they hated it. And they did not want their mother coaching them either. Wow. Like, but they were out there. They were doing race walk, the one that didn't want to run. <laughs> she was race walking somebody. But we included them in that. We included them in the wins of I-5 Elite. Like, look at these families that and, or would never set foot in our church. Look at that, those parents that were going to get a divorce. And now they're not because they found Jesus and they found community here at I-5 Elite. You know, I, just including them in the winds, including them in traveling. We've had, we have revival happening in the Rollins family right now, y'all. We went through a season again where I was so burnt out that I did not want my children to actually come be in ministry. Uh, but once I got healthy and Jimmy and I got healthy, we began to share with our children how to deal with pain properly, yep. how to deal with uh, people leaving the church in a healthy way that people are gonna come and go, Kayla, we're gonna have to really talk about this and deal with it, um, and uh, learn to uh, have healthy endings yeah. with people. Yeah, um, so protecting that superstar, I think it was um, Pastor Wendy shared, like their youth pastor, their nanny, yeah. like those are their heroes yes. and guarding that. So, so they could have some heroes. But recently we sent my son Jaden here to Highlands for spring break. So I didn't have my son for Easter. But he was here with Pastor Mayo, stayed with them. He was invested in by another male leader, um, loved on by his wife. Oh my goodness, Pastor Dino. I could go down the list, all the leaders here at Highlands. Um, even at, uh, he went to Access Nation with Pastor Mayo and he got exposed to just serving Pastor Mayo as Pastor Mayo went to speak at this youth conference. Jaden came back wrecked for Jesus. You hear me? <laughs> like wants to like put, make like his soccer career second to ministry. God wrecked this boy. He came back to the point where he's waking up at five o'clock without me having to wake him up to do his devotions because he was exposed on, to another powerful man of God with a yeah. story. Yeah. Not a story of perfection, yeah. but a story of brokenness, but how God turned yeah. it around for good. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it, like he, he, he saw the discipline that this man has. And he's now mimicking it. So I think it's exposure for our kids, exposing them to as much of the awesome things that ministry has to offer. So good. That was long. I'm sorry. So good. Yeah. I I think for us, so my daughter's in college, and then I have a junior, and then I have a um, sixth grader. And I actually texted my daughter this morning and I said, give me an answer of of why you still love the church. Because we think that we're doing some things right, but you know, we might be missing the mark. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think that we did right? And it was beautiful because her answer was the exact same thing that I would have said. Um, I think one thing that we, we did going into it was, uh, well, let me tell you why, because we were youth pastors and we saw a lot of kids that were pastors that hated the church. And so right when we had kids and they got old enough to start understanding it, we not only encouraged, we really pushed them to have an identity outside of the church. And so we got them involved in public schools. You do not have to do that. That is just something that we felt the Lord for our family. But we got them involved in large public schools and both of my kids who are in high school uh, killed it, killed it in high school. I mean, they were believers, but yet kids knew them and loved them. And, you know, it was just a beautiful thing to watch. And so um, my daughter wants to go into ministry. She's at Oral Roberts University. And then my son, yes, woohoo, Oral Roberts. And then uh, my son, who is a junior, you know, he's the, my daughter's listening via um, Facebook. 
FaceTime, and so I love you, but my son is the one that's the real brain in the family. <laughs> and we all know this, she, she all know, but you're smart too. But anyway, you know, she really is a smart girl, but my son is just like, how do you know all this stuff? And so I really felt like you are gonna make us some money. And then he tells me just two weeks ago that he thinks he was called to ministry. And I'm like, really? And I wanted to be happy, I did. No, deep down inside I was so proud, but I'm thinking, darn, I thought you were gonna be like the brain surgeon. But, that, but what a blessing to yeah. so far have two yeah. children yeah. that yeah. love the church, yeah. but they have such yeah. an identity outside of the church. There's such a confidence when they walk in their public high school and it's very large that they know who they are and it's not, oh, because I'm a pastor's kids. It's just, I'm a believer with family that loves me and my family's developing me and it doesn't matter what church it is or, or, or whatever. And they walk into church with that same confidence, but it's not because they're a pastor's kid. It's because they're our kids and we love them and Jesus loves them. So if I could say anything, I would just say, push your kids to develop an identity outside of the church, however that might look. Make sure they know who they are without the label of pastor's kid. Yeah. So That's good. so good, Stacy. I want to quick shift gears and I want to talk about friendships because, and this is actually important with our children, but it's really important for us yeah. as women. Um, I would say it's the number one question I get from women leaders is how in the heck do you navigate friendships in the church, outside of the church, coming and going? Like it's complicated. Women are complicated and <laughs> friendships change. And I've got two teenage daughters and I have a son, so I'm having to navigate friendships with them. Lisa, talk to us about how are you navigating friendships right now? Well, How have I will you? say that I just, I, I honestly cannot um, stress to you the importance of finding those friendships, finding those women that um, they love you, they believe in you, but as Pastor Greg always says, they're not impressed with you. They're gonna tell you the real deal. They're gonna tell you truth. They're gonna point you back to the word of God and say, this is truth and you're not acting like it. So, Get right, <laughs> change these things. You know, you need those women in your life, especially with, um, you know, the influence. The influence that God gives you, unfortunately, um, sometimes makes friendship a little messy. It makes it hard. Um, you, you become a lot of your friend's boss. You become um, a lot of your friend's pastor. Um, and so it puts a lot of pressure on the friendship and, and so it becomes a little dicey. And so, um, so I would just encourage you, if you don't have those women in your life, if you don't have those strong friendships, the ones who are gonna tell you to your face what you need to hear, um, pray and ask God to, to bring those women because he has them. He, he equips those he's called and you need women in your life. You need good, strong friendships um, in your life to navigate this journey. I love it. You know, I've had, um, I've had three best friends leave our church. And you know, one is because we weren't Holy Spirit enough. One was because we preached on tithing and, and one because whatever, she had issues. And so <laughs> anyway, um, it's tough. And I've watched my kids lose their friends at the, at the church. And so it is one of those, it's a navigating. I, I'll just say for me, I've had to learn, like I can't have friends that are passive aggressive, okay? And none of us really can handle people that are passive aggressive, right? But I can't, I can't have friends. If you're gonna be in my inner circle that I'm gonna be vulnerable and real with and have you hold me accountable, you gotta love my church. You gotta love my husband's preaching. I can't convince you that our methodology and that our DNA is awesome. I can't convince you like you're at the cabin all the time or you're doing sports and why aren't you in church? Like I shouldn't, if you're gonna be in my inner circle, like you're in and you're all in. And so to be honest, like I have found, like I am friends with people in my church, but my best friends are all pastor's wives that do not go to my church. Cause you know what? Sarah Keller's never leaving Substance Church cause she doesn't go. And so like, so we just vox her all the time and I just text and I'm like, oh, and and then we're just like, I hear you. I know what you're going through. And so yeah. I'm just constantly voxering and texting pastor's friends all over the world. But let me tell you, I pastored for nine years in Wisconsin and didn't have any friends. Okay, it was rural Wisconsin. We were not connected with the ark. It was lonely and I didn't have mentors. I didn't have friends. We, we could not have planted without the ark. And oh my gosh, like yeah. I love coming here. It's like the biggest you know, reunion in the world. And it's because I've got all these girlfriends that are encouraging me and that are cheering me on and that are going, I believe in you. I've got you, I'm praying for you. And I'm telling you, we went through six years at Substance where we were shook to the core. Yeah. 
Like I came to art conferences depressed, discouraged because we're losing people, not growing. Do you know what I mean? And our staff are leaving, not you know, coming. And, and so it was one of those, like, I just felt like I was the worst leader on the planet. And if it wasn't for the, the pastor's wives around me to go, no, 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 I believe in you. You're good. God's got you. God's got you. And, and now I'm on the happy side and we're on the other side. And now I feel like I'm here going, God's got you. God's got you. Don't quit. Don't quit. You're going to make it. But it's these girlfriends. It's these friendships. Couldn't do it without it. I could not be a leader without these friendships. It is. And I just want to say too, like, there are some relationships and friendships in your life that you need to let go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this was so difficult for me because I had some really close friends on our staff, spouses, staff wife friends, that um, God was calling them on. And I wanted to love tight and hold tight. And God said, no, you got to love tight and hold loose because their destiny may not be with you. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because the other thing is that God has other relationships that he wants to bring in your life to be a part of the next season that if you're trying so hard to keep this other relationship, you're missing out on what God wants to bring in. And it is, it's like such a a hard, complicated thing, but um, it's just so true. And like, Pray, but also be intentional about finding friends in your life. There are a couple ladies coming to this conference that are here that before I got here, I said, God, I want a divine appointment with them. I'm going to, to the point where I'm going to go put myself in their face (laughs) and say, I want to get to know you a little bit. And everybody here is like, sure, come on in, which is amazing. So like pray, but also be intentional. You got to put work into it as well. Can I add a little bit to that? I want to echo what you said. I'm to the place because I've had some friendships that were just really messy within the church um, that if you don't support me, 100%, 100%, because I'm supporting you. And if you don't support me 100%, then we're not just gonna be best buds. Yeah. Because no, none of us have time for that. I don't have time to pick up your messes too. Yeah. So love my church, love my family, love me, believe in the vision, be there with me, because I'm gonna do the same thing for your yeah. life. Yeah. And I think so that good. we do not have to apologize for that. Yeah, it's yep. so good. And just it, you it, find somebody you can be real with. Just yeah. be real, be vulnerable. If yeah. we don't have someone that we can't just spill to, then we're in trouble. Yeah. We are in serious trouble. I got a phone call yesterday yesterday and it just wasn't good. And I just sat down and Carolyn was there and Julie was there and I just started crying and both of them just held my hand like, do you need anything? She's like, do you need a coffee? You know? And, um, and then they just prayed and it's like, I just had to tell you, I just had to say it. Yeah. So please yeah. just know awesome. you have to have someone you can just say it to. Um, but just like Lisa said, also someone who's going to say, let me speak truth, let me love you, but <laughs> yeah. also speak truth yes. into yes. your life. So just look for that. that person. So, um, so right now, there's something that's uh, really kind of popular, a big trend, is people kind of rejecting gender science. Now, I'm not like a science person at all, so even just that term is like, huh, what does that mean? But really, um, the question that I would love for us to even kind of dive into is, how have we led as women, as women? Like, how do you lead as a woman and also honor the differences between men and women? Um, uh, Lisa, do you want to answer that, or you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, you know, it's interesting because um, you know I think that I, in my background, uh, working as a PA, I worked with emergency medicine physicians, um, and day in and day out, um, and then moving to A21, I found myself working with FBI agents and ICE agents and. Um, and so I, I found myself working w- alongside of men constantly, um, you know. And so, um, you know, it, when Carrie was talking yesterday, I don't know how many of you were in here yesterday, but she was talking about her personality and how um, it's, it's a strong personality. Um, I, too, am um, a, an eight on the Enneagram, for those of you who have taken that. Um, I'm a, a high D um, I'm a ISTP. I mean, we can, you know, go through all of my personality uh, <laughs> profiles if you'd like. But, um, but, but basically, one of the things that that it, it talked about that really, I, I finally felt like, oh my gosh, that is like such an epiphany from heaven. Like, um, was that um, those particular personality profiles are are respected highly in men, mm-hmm. right? If you're a strong leader, um, and you, you know, you, you're 
glad to share share when you need to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's strong. It's it's respected, but but if you are a woman, it's a hard seat. Yep. It's a hard seat because um, people yep. view you as a word that rhyme, rhymes with witch, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, that's the truth. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, it, honestly, I think that in my journey, learning to work alongside of men, for me, it is, it's, it boils down to, to respect. You know, I feel like you can work alongside of men and respect them, but be bold and share, you know, because, because we too are made in the image of God, yeah. Yeah. right? Come and on. so um, we can bring something to the table that is different than what they bring to the table. Um, but it is still an accurate reflection of God's image. And so it, it's, a, it's a completion. And so, um, you know, I um, have had the opportunity to be the first woman to sit on our executive team. What, I don't say that like patting on myself on the back. I say that as what an honor and a privilege to yeah. be able to do that, to be yeah. invited to sit at that table, yeah. um, to step into our God-given calling. And if, yep. if God's called you to step forward and be bold, yes. then, then do it. Yeah. <laughs> then, then do it. Own it. Own that seat. And it's, it's a hard seat. I, I personally, as a pastor's wife, felt like I, I don't fit this mold. <laughs> we live in the Bible Belt. <laughs> There are a lot of nice adjectives that people will give me. I'm loyal. Um, I, am, um, I have a lot of adjectives, but sweet is probably not on the top 10. <laughs> you know, I, I just, because um, I am like, we have got places to go, Come people. Ain't nobody got time for drama, <laughs> right? We don't have time to go because eternity is at stake. That's right, that's right. Right? And so, um, so... If, if, you're, if you're being led by me, it's like, get on the bus and we're going. So, you know, that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges for me has been like, Lord, are you sure that you called me to be a pastor's wife? Um, because I, I don't typically, um, Josh will always say, uh, if we get into like an argument or something on Sunday morning, he'll be like, do you want to watch from online? Because <laughs> homegirl is what you see is what you get. <laughs> I don't have the sweet Southern, like, put on the facade and let's go. Um, I am, like, I am true to the core. So yeah, it's, you know, you, you need to be um, who God made you to be. That's all I can tell you is that, that God did not make a mistake. When yeah. he called you to your seat, yep. he mm-hmm. called you. Yep. Don't look to the left or the right. That is the biggest challenge for me is, and I feel like I've gone completely away from the gender thing, but, no, you're good. but, but truly like, you know, you, we tend to compare, well, maybe I should be more like her. Maybe that's how I should be as a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. No, God didn't make that mistake. Yep. We need to trust him that he, he's called you to that. And so if you're wired as a strong leader, be strong, yep. be respectful to men, be, be respectful whether you, you are being led by them or you are leading them. That's good. That's good. Irene, what about you? you you've yeah. led a lot of men. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I just, uh, my, I have a strategy, um, just everything you just said, a lot of self-awareness uh, no, and understanding the people around me. Yeah. And so when I understand their, their Myers-Briggs, their Enneagram, I'm studying them when they don't even know I'm studying them. Yep. <laughs> and I don't bring it up. Yes. I don't tell them, oh, you're, a, yes. you're an eight, you're a challenger. This is my husband. You're a challenger. And so you're going to, you know, I don't tell him that. I just tweak how I speak to him. Yes. Uh, so um, one of the things, yeah, I do with guys also is I keep it short and sweet. Get to the bottom first, bottom line first. And then I ask if they want details. That's, <laughs> That's just good. one of my personal That's strategies with our staff. <laughs> Do you, would you, are you open to hearing details? And it, it, sometimes it's a yes from Jimmy, sometimes it's a no. Then like two hours later, this is working with your husband kind of stuff, but like a couple hours later, he'll, he'll be like, what, what are we doing about da 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 right? And I'm like, well, would, are you open to hearing the details? <laughs> I'd be happy to share that. So yeah, I just tweak really it to good. fit my audience and who I'm talking to with our gentlemen on staff. Um, and I try to, yeah, I just, I'm real um, honoring of the fact that they are men. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're a man and you're wired completely different. 
your, um, I, I coach them on how to be empathetic. So mm -hmm. I bring my gifts to the table too. I tend to be um, you know, better on the empathy side. So I bring it to the table without going, guys, we, we really shouldn't let that person go. They're so awesome. And what about their family? I don't bring it like that. I bring it with, hey guys, have we thought about this perspective? And you know, I name out all my thoughts and what have you. And they take it as, oh, it's not this emotional woman thing. Mm. They're, um, they're hearing me from where I'm coming from and what I offer and what I have, bring to the table, so. Wow, that's awesome. That's so awesome. It is. I was just thinking, you know, I, I, have to, I have to say this though. Like, because we are women leaders, we do get asked to do things. And so like, as anyone else, like I get asked to pray at every conference, you know what I mean? Because I'm the token woman, you know what I mean? And, and it's messed with me. And the Lord has had to be like, just shut up and pray and, and, and don't, don't get all distracted with they're only asking you. That's insecurity, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. be filled with the Holy Spirit, be Deborah, you know? And so Deborah was, a, I know Deborah is the token woman leader that we like to look at, but you know what I love about her mm -hmm. is that when, when it wasn't culturally appropriate for her to lead, she was so filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave the instructions to Barak and said, this is what God has said. This is what you're supposed to do. This is the result. And he said, awesome, but I'm not going forward unless you are with me. And it wasn't because she had military skill. It was because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I tell our women leaders, listen, you be so filled with the Holy Spirit that the men in your life want you at that meeting and they want you, not because you're a woman, not because of your personality, but, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody can argue with you. No door can be shut if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Okay. Let, 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 me, um, let me just tell you, because I know some of the ladies have mentioned it, and you might be thinking, what word are they using? Enia what? Okay, so Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, correct? Okay. Um, the Road Back to You is a book. It's an incredible test. If you haven't um, even heard of it, please uh, pick that up. If you're kind of like leadership junkie, self-awareness junkie, um, you will grow. You will... Uh, it, but just beware, it will kind of get in your business. Um, and so, but it, it's just, it has revolutionized our staff. It's been incredible. So just wanted you to know, because if you're like, what word are they saying, Enneagram? Um, so I would just love to dive in if we can, just yeah. even with all of the ladies and kind of ask the question about uh, what is the, what's the largest obstacle you faced um, in ministry, in leadership, as a woman? Um, and how have you navigated that? Because I know we've all got them. Uh, we can sit up here and be like, woo, women in leadership, um, leadership, ministry, but it's hard and there are obstacles and I know that there are days that we've all probably wanted to quit. Um, and so how have you ladies navigated? Let's just kind of go down the road. Okay. For me, hands down, hands down, it would be fear. Fear of everything, really. Um, I, so I preach every Sunday at our church and I have done that for two years. And when people find that out, um, or they find out that I have really struggled with fear in doing it, they're blown away. It just seems so natural. It's not at all. And so every, uh, I found that every time in my life that God wanted to grow me, whether it's in ministry or business or whatever, leadership in general, fear was so alive. And it was just so uh, loud in my ear. And what I've learned on hindsight is that it's just a big old smoke screen. And when I finally walked through it, and let me tell you, I had to walk through it with fear. I wished, I mean, I begged God, please take it away. And it never went away, I'm just gonna be honest. He never took it away before I stepped. And even wow. after I stepped, oh, I would love to promise you that it would go away. But I still dealt with fear for months and months and months after preaching every, because I didn't wanna do it. My husband kind of pushed me into it, and I finally knew I couldn't run from it anymore. And so months and months after preaching, knowing I had to do that, like I did it last week, why am I afraid to do it this week? And it would just continually be there, that fear, and, um, and I had to just do it with the fear. So everyone tells you, oh, fear is, you know, just step through it. I, look, I stepped, and it was there. And I stepped again, and it was there. And every now and then, two years later, it will creep up like a ball and chain on my feet. And I just have to say, I'm stepping anyway. Yep. And God has been faithful. Oh my God, He has been faithful. I mean, I have had tears. I have had panics. I have the shake, everything you could imagine. But God has met me as soon as I put that microphone on. He Come has on. been there. So if Come he's on. calling you, whatever he's calling you to do, it doesn't matter what kind of fear you have. If he's saying to do it, I promise you he will be there. I'm not saying the fear will go away, but he will be there. Yeah. And let me tell you the result of this. I live in an area that's very, very corporate. 
And women go up in our corporate ladder very quickly in our business. Walmart, uh, the, the home office of Walmart is there, Tyson Chicken and J.B. Hunt and several other places. So they, they promote women very quickly. No idea. We did not think of the, the repercussions of this wow. when I said yes to this. Two years later, when I sit and hear people's stories, y'all, you'd be blown away, blown away at the amount of people that said, we decided to come to this church because a woman was on your stage. It floored me. And I'm thinking, if you had any idea what I have gone through to get on that stage and I'm going through every Sunday morning, but it's for those women. And they will tell me, outside of the church I lead, inside of the church, I don't see it. But finally, I saw a woman who I could relate to. And bless their hearts, I have men who will come to me and say, we love your service, but I'm coming because of my wife. And so it's just the cutest thing because she's like, we're going to that service. And so they just go, look, they make the wife happy, but they love it too. And it's just, it's just amazing. I have, and, I, and I'll stop with this, but I had um, uh, just this idea, look, I'm gonna put it out there and I'm gonna see what women that I know personally want to learn how to speak and lead. Not just speak, but lead. And so I asked about five women. It was word of mouth. And then before I knew it, I had to cap it at 30 and said, no more, we can't, we can't do any more than this. I wrote a whole curriculum and I'm teaching it to this women. But the point behind that is women are hungry for leadership. They're hungry for someone who will even step out in fear. They're not looking for perfection. They're just looking for someone to say, God, if you called me, I will yep. do it <laughs> with my knees shaking yep. and with my voice quivering yep. on that stage on. and with me dreading every weekend. I'll do it because eventually, eventually it'll be okay. Yep. But I'm telling you, you step out and God will honor you. Yes. Awesome. So good, Stacey. So, yeah. Lisa, what's the biggest obstacle you face? I actually, you know, um, I, I would echo Stacy. Um, I, you know, I'm gonna say that fear has been absolutely just one of the greatest challenges. And I also just want to say, if you if you suffer and, and deal with anxiety and fear, fear of public speaking, um, panic, I, me too, <laughs> me too. Um, but if God does call you to do something, yeah, come on. Um, come on. obey. Just, yep. yeah. just obey. Because I'm telling you, when, when you um, choose to obey, yeah. he's gonna be right there. Yep. Yep. And it, when you obey, your faith grows like never before. When yep. you do it scared, yep. Yep. when you walk forward scared, yep. your faith grows immensely. And you just look back and I just, I remember speaking at our women's conference for the very first time and I was absolutely terrified. I mean, you might as well have like, pushed me off of a cliff. I think I probably would have preferred that, um, quite frankly. Um, but I look back at that season of being unbelievably terrified and watching the moment that I said yes, finally, which was, was quite the labor to get there. Um, man, God just showed up. I mean, he just showed up and he just walked right along with me. Um, so whatever God is calling you to do, I would say that. I, I'm gonna tag one more thing on, and that's just managing expectations. Yes. Managing expectations. I think that the myth is that people have a ton of expectations on you that um, might not necessarily be true. Yep. Um, I know for myself, stepping into big shoes and feeling overwhelmed, feeling like, Lord, I'm, I am not enough to do this. This is hard. Um, see, I told you, I, I'm like, I'm not a crier. I don't need a tissue. Mm -hmm. um, but, but truly, um, you know, we tend to put expectations on ourselves or fabricate expectations that other people have on us that, that that's just the enemy. Yeah. It's the enemy playing with your mind and, yeah. and making you think that you've got to have it all together and, yeah. and, and be the perfect wife and be the perfect speaker and be, you know, insert whatever, be the perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, yeah, that's, just, not, that's just not true. God, God's called you just as you are and keep running after him. He's gonna keep molding you and shaping you um, and obey what he's called you to do. Don't, don't do because you think someone wants you to do it. Obey yep. Yep, and, exactly right. and sit in the seat he's called you to sit in. So good, so good. A few years back, 
um, Matt was, we were in the car and I was talking about something I was stepping out and doing. And he was like, man, you are fearless. And it bothered me because I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, no, you're like the most fearless person I've ever met. And it took like weeks for me to wrestle down. I was like, I'm not fearless, but why is he saying that? Why is he saying that? I was like, God, what is that? What is it? What is that? And the Lord just spoke to me. Um, being fearless is not the absence of fear. It's coming face to face with your fear and deciding to trust God in it. And so every single time you have that fear coming at you, like the fear will be present. I mean, over and over and over again in the Bible, you will read, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. I come to you, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Because that fear will be there. But when you come face to face with it, you decide to trust in God and he'll be with you as you step out. So that's really, um, if that just helps you, that's what being fearless is for me. Um, Tammy, just take a couple minutes and talk about your obstacle. Yeah, I would say, um, just to kind of echo what the ladies have already said, but just don't resist the process. Mm. Um, when we started early on, like I, I helped by leading worship and stuff, but I, like, I was always the girl in school that if we got, I just wanted to do, be a part. I wasn't the one standing up and saying, I'll lead or I'll lead the group or I'll take on this project or I'll take on the event. I was more of like, just give me a task I'm gonna to try to do it really well, the best that I can, but I just wanted somebody else telling me what to do. So when we planted the church and God began to um, grow our ministry and grow our influence and our opportunity, like I, didn't, I couldn't be that person anymore because that wasn't my destiny. And, and God had called me to something greater. Oh, so, so I had to be obedient yeah. and say yes to what he'd put in front of me and, and trust the process of that. And um, I think, you know, I think about Esther in the Bible and for such a time as this, you know, Mordecai came to her and he said, you have got to go to before the king or yeah. the Jewish yeah. people will That's perish. So and if you don't, they'll still be saved, but not this generation. In other words, somebody else would have wow. had the opportunity Come on. Come on. to go before the king, but it wouldn't have been Esther. And so like, I just, for me, like, I don't want somebody else taking my spot because he's put me in the place for such a time as this, for such a time as this for you, whatever your seat is, he's put you there to lead. And so don't, don't resist the process of that, whatever it looks like. And, and just to touch again really quickly on the relational thing, I think my biggest obstacle, I'm, I'm, such, I'm a relationship person. I'm actually a nine um, on the Enneagram and I'm like a peacemaker. The strengths finder thing, I'm woo which is like connecting people and getting people together. And um, like, I just love it, love it, love it. So sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And in connecting people and being relational, I blurred the lines of friendship and leadership. And you have to be really careful because there are very few people who you can lead and be their friend. And it took me time because I was causing confusion in the relationship because I was blurring those lines. So the relationships that you have, if you're, if you're leading women and men in your church, just be really cautious of the depth of the friendship that you have with them because it, it leaves an impression on them and it also can cause confusion. So um, just, just start, start today, you know, kind of resetting that standard. And um, I just, I'm amazed at what God has done and God will continue to do and um, it's just, we have to all do it together. Yeah. And so just, just trust the process that God has put in front of you in your next season. So That's so good. Irene, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, and then I want Carolyn to really close us in prayer. But um, you have an incredible story um, that I know God is already using um, powerfully. And I'm excited for that to continue to go out. But just take a few minutes and just share just a piece of that, um, whatever you just feel is on your heart sure. for these ladies. Um, so I, I kind of uh, went through a season of ministry where I felt like I, it, it has, does anybody else in this room struggle with I am not enough? Mm-hmm. Ever felt like I am not enough? Well, that was my, this bracelet I'm wearing says I am enough mm-hmm. because I believe that now. But there was a season I didn't. So what I, my, I had what I call other esteem. So my self, I didn't have self-esteem. I had, whatever you felt of me was how I perceived myself. I, so I was about pleasing you 
not caring for myself. So I gave myself away to the church. I gave myself away to the kids. Um, here, Jimmy and I, seven years ago, to, I filling big shoes, take over this church from his parents. His parents are powerhouses. His mom, wow, like incredible woman of God. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to be able to fit into this whole church thing, right? Leading I-5. I, that was my biggest struggle and obstacle was what was it going to look like for me? We start this track club. Okay, I start coming back alive and all that. But the pressures of ministry were real. The pressures of owning businesses was real. And um, having three children. To everyone else, I made it look like I was, had it all together. You know, the kids' hair together, my hair together, makeup was together, you know. <laughs> Back in the day when I went to my in-laws' church, you had the suit on, makeup done, and all three kids in their Sunday outfits and blah, blah, blah. Talk about pressure. I remember putting on mascara, shaking while the baby was crying. But like, we, <laughs> like I had to have it all together. It looked like it on the outside, like I had it all together. But on the inside, I was dying. I was dying a slow, lonely death. Nobody knew how miserable I was in my own skin, that I had no self-esteem, that I didn't think I was enough, that I was so insecure. And coping with, the, I didn't, couldn't cope with losses of friendship in church. And um, that was killing me, to be honest with you. Uh, physical losses, lost my 10-year-old 10, 10 um, godchild. We had to bury him from a brain tumor. So many people in the church were dying. People die. Like, but I didn't have a coping skill yeah. Yeah. to manage that stress, that pressure and what have you. Um, coming into my role at the church, losing people, people coming and going from the church. When Jimmy and I took over, hundreds of people left, yeah. but then hundreds of people came. Yeah. So make a long story short, you know, how many of you know that when we are uh, stressed or under pressure, we tend to find things to cope with our stress? I chose an unhealthy method. And what started out as a social, socially normal thing to do, socially acceptable, having a glass of wine with dinner, uh, started uh, increasing over time. And my coping mechanism began to take over my life and actually turn into the disease of alcoholism. So, and it happened without me even knowing it. So here I am leading pastor's wife, you know, uh, three kids, this thriving ministry, supposedly have it all together. But little did I know that all these undealt with issues and lack of coping skills from my past were creeping up on me. And this thing that may be okay for you to have a glass of wine wasn't okay for me. It's not okay for me. It's because what happened is I began to uh, just have a dependency towards it and become preoccupied by it. I couldn't wait for the weekends to have my glass of wine. And then it turned into two. And then four wasn't enough. And then I was hiding. Then it went to hiding. And how many of you know that anytime you're hiding something, there is a problem? That's an indication that there's a problem. You may be an alcoholic when, uh, let me give you a couple things. You drink alone. Maybe you um, can't wait to get home from church so you can have your glass of wine because you're so need to like relax and unwind from being available to people, trying to be everything to everyone. Um, you know, that preoccupation was there. Uh, that's all I could think about. I couldn't even imagine my life without alcohol at one point to the point where my family, I was willing to put my family, like the children that I birthed, that I uh, would give my life for, I was willing to give up my marriage for this thing. This thing. And I needed to go away and get help. And that's what, um, I thank God for friendships held, that held me accountable. I flew away to um, my friends at Journey Church in Cleveland, Ohio, and there was an intervention for me. Um, and they helped me get to treatment. And I was uh, the most humbling experience of my life, entered a treatment center and spent 40 days there where we began work, okay? It was <laughs> work, 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 work. It was less about the alcohol and more about all the underlying issues yeah. that I needed to address that alcohol deal. just made yep. bigger. Sure and, yep. um, and I thank God for my friends that came around me and held me accountable, that loved me through my journey, but did not let me stay in that, mo in that state, that unhealthy state of craziness yeah. because the disease of addiction makes you, you, you have a whole lot of crazy making that happens in your head. So if you have a friend, if you know somebody, if it may, might be you, but there's something that you're using 
to cope, using to bring you um, relief from the pressures of life. And you think it's okay, just because, you know, I, my husband has admit, it, admitted it publicly, he used food. He used food to cope with his stress. Um, maybe it's shopping. I was in um, this rehabilitation center that deals with uh, addiction through the lenses of trauma. So they went back, dealt with my PTSD and my trauma issues and all that good stuff. But let me tell you who was in my treatment center. Stars, athletes, um, uh, he's made it public so I can say this. Michael Phelps, you know, um, you know, there were people, that, doctors, lawyers, pastors, everybody under the sun was there because guess what? Addiction has no, um, uh, no prejudice. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, any of us can fall into it and it starts out with something small and we begin to use it and it almost took me out but I thank God for um, my family, my friends that helped uh, support my family through a very difficult time and um, I am uh, two years and uh, six months sober today. Yes, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. Shame no longer holds me bound. Um, I was dying of toxic shame and did not want to live anymore when I entered that uh, rehab center because I thought, and this may, I hope this helps. I pray to God that this helps somebody in this room. I thought if I go into this place, and admit that I'm an alcoholic. It's gonna spoil everything. It's gonna ruin everything for Jimmy and my church and, and, and my kids. But it, me admitting it was the best thing I could ever do for them. Getting help was the best thing I could ever do for my church, for my marriage. I am happier today. My family is better today. My kids are stronger today. Let me tell you, we can talk about anything in my family. And it's because of the tools and the things I learned through that experience of hitting rock bottom. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the truth is what will set us free. That's what you're saying, the truth. So yeah. if there's anyone who feels like you can't be truthful because that's going to cause yeah. harm, no, it's the truth of yeah. whatever you're facing that will actually bring the freedom. So thank you, yeah. Irene. Thank, thank, you. thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Carolyn? Yeah, would you just stand with me? Let's just pray. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord. God, I just thank you for this beautiful time in your presence and with each other. And I just thank you for relationships. I just thank you for the, each woman in this room um, and the men that are here too, Lord. I just thank you for that. And I just pray right now for friendships, for divine friendships. I just pray that you would speak to each person, even what relationships need to change in their life and what relationships need to enter their life, Lord. I just pray for healthy friendships, Lord. And I just pray that you'd continue to speak to us about our role, our season, and what you're calling us to do Help us step out in faith and obey. Uh, I just thank you for the freedom that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thanks ladies. We love you guys. <laughs>